What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today on the show, I'm sitting with Jeff Merkel. He is the head of marketing at Helsim. So we'll get into all things about telling a story and creating really brand values when you're in an industry that becoming highly commoditized. So it's an interesting combo. We also get into how to balance design and data. Jeff's got a lot of knowledge, so I think you'll benefit from listening to this one. But before we get into this, as always, this is brought to you by Cave Social. So Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of LA that helps companies grow online through social media. They put brands on offense, or that's what we think we do. So I'll double down on that any day. But go check us out, cavesocial.com. We just got a new website. And if you need some help, hit that schedule, a call, and we'd be glad to sit and talk through your social strategy. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. What's going on, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me from Calgary, Alberta, the homeland, Canada, is Jeff Merkel. He is the head of marketing at Helsim. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? I am good. I am happy to have you on and talk all things marketing. Now, before we get into the evolution of your current role, some of those challenges and things that you all have going on, walk me through your career path a little bit. How did you find your way to Helsim? Yeah, a bit of a a non-traditional backstory to how I kind of got into marketing, kind of fell into it a little bit. Definitely entered from the creative side. So my background is actually in animation, film, direction, more on the creative agency side, creative direction, and actually started at Helsum as a animator videographer. After kind of my previous work, I, I really wanted to kind of get back to being an artist and just kind of dig in on that side a little bit. Inevitably, it led to taking on a bit more responsibility as time went on. And now, yeah, just kind of fully immersed in marketing. And, and it's been uh, a little unexpected, but really rewarding and really happy the way it's all kind of turned out. So has there been any challenges coming over from the creative side of the house to really look at the data side and tying that in with creative? Have you had any like things that you've had to overcome there, maybe preconceptions or or learning new things? Like walk me through that once you get into, you know, head of marketing where you're not only responsible for creative, but hey, this data has got to make sense as well. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, marketing is, uh, you know, is, is, the, is the blending of, of, of art and science, which I mean, I had the art side pretty well handled uh, coming into this. But certainly, I'll be the first to admit I hated math, I avoided numbers and data like the plague pretty much my entire life. You know, really, uh, my, my degrees in fine art, I went to film school. So I was really, really hard on the creative side. But coming into this role and, and really kind of embracing it, data and numbers and kind of the, the objectivity and the insight that it gives you on that side of things was really what actually grabbed a hold of me the most and really fascinated me. And that really surprised me. So I, I actually really enjoy that side of things now. And I found a new a newfound kind of appreciation for, for data and kind of the insights it can provide. It's interesting, right? Like I'm the same. I hated math in school, but I think once you can see the practical nature of your design work or your creative, or you can actually see and measure to an extent its effectiveness of like, oh, we changed this page, the design of it, 
it now has less friction and we have 10% more people converting. Like that is design enabling sales. And then being, that's almost like that pat on the back of like, look, I told you this art, this matters, this design matters. That was like a great awakening for me, I feel like as well to be from coming from a place where I kind of had disdain for numbers, but then being able to say, oh, it can kind of validate the design with regards to marketing being a profit center, not marketing being a cost center. You know, totally. and, and that, that I think is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, it's kind of the great equalizer. It's actually more often than not, it's been humbling as in like, I think I have a great idea and then the data doesn't back it up and you're like, ah, oh, well, my, my gut was wrong there. So I think you still try to find those wins where you can actually back up your great idea with data. But yeah, I think you need both. And sometimes, you know, you also, I think this is where my other side comes into play is you don't want to rely too much on data because sometimes, you know, while it's useful to know kind of what the market sentiment is and how people are engaging with your with your brand. But at the same time, you also kind of have to, you do have to follow your gut sometimes and really kind of inject your, yourself into things and say like, you know what, you know, people might be, you know, coming us for us just like, just checking out our pricing and going straight to our features, but we want to be more than that too. So you got to marry both. Yeah, it's, it's balance, right? And I think that's like where we want to be as marketing leaders is in the middle and saying, okay, I have experience and I'm going to trust my gut. And if we have these values, let's say, and we put them out to the world and okay, that might lose some customers, but that's okay because they weren't going to be our customer long-term anyways. And not everything is just how much did it cost per click? Was our CTR down and or up? And did we get people through to a funnel and blah, 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 blah. You know, some things have to be done based on using your experience in, you know, from that creative side. On the other side of that, if you're not utilizing data to a certain extent, you're shooting yourself in the foot from a, uh, one, from a business perspective, two, from a career development perspective, because I always like young marketers come up and they're like, oh, you know, they're, they're purists. And I'm like, that's great. You can be a purist. You can make amazing designs, but you have to know how to, what, how your design impacts the company. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, that's, you know, what the executive team is looking for, right? That's something that I always try to, to lean into. Now, with HealthSim in particular, give me the elevator pitch. And I know what you all do, but for the listener, what do you what do you guys do? Just so we can set the table here for the next part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in the traditional sense, we're a, you know we're a payment processor, uh, meaning that we you know we let businesses of all types accept credit, debit card payments. Uh, in person, online, through invoicing, through, you know, any, really any means you can take a payment. We're also like a, a technology company, pretty much first and foremost. So we, we build all of our own technology and really enable small businesses to engage with our tools to help uh, start, run and grow their business, really. There's uh, a lot happening in, in fintech these days, and we're kind of right on the forefront of really kind of enabling small business there. Are you guys targeting primarily on-premise payment or is it a lot of online? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I mean, I would say before the pandemic, we were, you know, 60 to 65% in-person payments really focused on that. I mean, there's a lot of giants in the e-commerce space. Some of them in our own backyard with Shopify, right? We didn't necessarily want to get into a war with them. We had a basic, you know, e-commerce offering that was, that was great for, you know, for our the kind of merchants that we were signing up. But obviously that changed with the pandemic. There's a lot more um, adoption for e-commerce tools. And, and we, you know, being kind of a, a smaller kind of startup kind of company, we were able to really move quickly and build a lot of tools really quickly, like online food ordering and QR code and those kind of things that uh, really kept pace with how quickly people were adopting those e-commerce tools. Now, in a space which is so driven by 
what's your processing fee? You know, a lot of people are going to make decisions. I mean, I'm a small business owner who I'm making a lot of decisions for my payment processing, just saying like, well, what's the fee? You know, how do you break through that and not sell on features? What is the story? Like, because I think it's a big challenge, right? And I'd love to hear how you're approaching that and how you're cutting through to compete against some of the giants out there where sometimes, you know, you may not have the best price, let's say, in every bid you go into, but you end up winning over the clients, you know, because of the brand, because of the story, because of your AEs, et cetera. So walk me through how, how you all approach that. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting timing that you bring that up because we're literally right in the middle of that right now trying to figure that out. So traditionally, it's been a really interesting story at Hells. And we have always kind of been, you know, we positioned ourselves as kind of the good guys in, in a not so great industry. Obviously, it's evolved a lot, this industry over the last 10 years or so with like squares and the PayPal's coming in and really changing the way that people look at payments. But I mean, majoritively, you know, we have become a highly commoditized industry and service. So we're really trying to fight that market sentiment of like, we're just, you know, essentially another bill to pay at the end of the month. And it's a challenge. You know, we recently kind of changed up our website to really try to funnel people into like, you know, these just the core ways that you would accept payments, thinking that that would kind of help just kind of the user flow on our website and get people to the right page um, faster. But, you know, we're looking at the data again, here's the data, you know, like, and we're seeing that, you know, people are still really just going to our pricing page first. (laughs) That's where their journey begins with us. So our challenge is like, we know we actually have, you know, some of the best pricing in the industry. Like our service is also one of the best, you know, we're, we're constantly ranked near the top or at the top for what we do. But yeah, you're also fighting against that. Like, how do we become more than just another bill to pay? And right now we're really going through the exercise of digging into who we are. And I think we're, you know, the challenge that we have in front of us in terms of fighting that sentiment is the opportunity we have because we're uniquely positioned to actually authentically deliver on that because we've always been a company that's been about honesty and transparency. And we've always been a very values led company. We just haven't done a good job of being a very brand led company. And I think that is the opportunity that we have in this space because, you know, there's not a lot of strong brands in our category. And certainly you can make the argument that, you know, it's really hard to be brand led in a highly commoditized space, but that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're, we're trying to lead with our story a little bit more. And, and yeah, it's been fun. I mean, there's a whole visual rebrand coming coming down the pipe and we're really leaning into that. Like, let's try to affect people a bit more on the emotional side and less on just like pricing and features. I like it. It's also interesting, right? When you, and I think a lot of listeners can learn from this is like understanding where your website fits in the funnel. So if someone's first touch point is with a salesperson with you, or maybe it's your Twitter page or Instagram or you're at a conference, and then they're at that consideration phase where they're in Google saying, okay, trusted payment processors. It's weird because as brand people, we want to fight that to be like, oh, we need to tell a story. But it's like at the point in that customer story, they just need pricing, right? So it's interesting. And I agree. It's really having that, you have to have those two kind of tracks going at once, right? Like what's the brand, what does the brand stand for? And what's the story getting that out there creatively, being that ally to business owners? Because I always say, and I believe it, but it's like the market's only saturated if you're mediocre, if you're just another me too product. And if you have a true story, if you are, you know, your Canadian business that's aligned with the small business owners or whatever that you, you know, you all guys are working on that comes out, that's the stuff that really is, it's a difference maker. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it when you're in there, you're like, is this even going to help? You're questioning yourself. (laughs) Um, But it really is because these small business owners are looking for something, right? Like they want to, people want to connect to products. Even if it's a payment processor, I always talk about 
the best example to me is online storage, right? It's about the most boring thing in the world. Yet again, Dropbox is like this massive brand that everybody knows and loves for file storage. And it's like, okay, you know, if they could do that, why not the same thing in payment processing? So that's cool, man. I'm excited for you all. Now, in terms of when that's all coming down the pipe, you don't have to give me a hard date. (laughs) Um, When, if people are listening to this, like, you know, is this like an end of the year type of thing? Is this, when can people expect to maybe see some of that roll out? Yeah, I mean, really right away. I mean, I actually just got out of a meeting. It's now about kind of the new website and the, where the logo, how, how that fits and everything. So, I mean, it's within the next couple uh, months, probably, uh, as you're going to see it start to roll out. The advantage and disadvantage we have is that, um, you know, we're not like a hugely known brand in our space. So, you know, we don't have like a bunch of eyes on us. It affords us the opportunity to kind of roll things out a little bit more in phases. And it actually helps to just with just being a little bit more agile. So, um, you know, you'll probably see wherever we can switch things over and, and really kind of make an impact on that front. We'll, we'll do that first and then we'll kind of bring everything else along as and when we we're, we're able to. So cool. Very cool. We'll be on the lookout for that. Now, Jeff, before I let you go, where can people learn more about Helsum and then also connect with you online? can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Helsum.com is, you know, obviously our, our website, H-E-L-C-I-M. People always ask what it means and it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's, 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 it, uh, we give that word its own meaning. So yeah, really our website's a great way to check us out. You can check us out on Instagram, on, uh, on LinkedIn and, and Facebook. And we try to reach out and connect with a lot of people through those channels. Amazing. So if you all listening are looking at payment processing solutions, go check out what they're doing. Check out the story they're telling. Maybe it'll jive with you and, and you can go and connect with Jeff and, and see where that goes. Uh, Jeff, thanks again for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Oh.